Let's read together Judges chapter 10. In this chapter, we have two more judges of Israel, Tola and Jair. And then we have the first half of the sixth sin cycle in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. After Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Puah, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar. And he dwelt in Chamer in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shamer. After him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. They also had 30 towns, which are called Havoth Jair, to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Camon. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years, all the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, We have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the people of Ammon, and from the Philistines? Also the Sidonians, and Amalekites, and Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress." And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Let's begin our study of this chapter with some background notes. Judges chapter 10 has been sometimes called the chapter of the minor judges. Tola and Jair are not as well known as judges like Deborah, Gideon, and Samson. In verses 1 and 2, we read about Tola. Tola judged Israel for 23 years, as we see in verse 2. Notice that according to verse 1, Tola saved Israel. What did he save Israel from? No enemy is named here. Most likely, he saved Israel from the civil strife that followed Abimelech's terrible judgeship. In verses 3 through 5, we read about the judge Jair. Jair judged Israel 22 years. Now here's a biblical riddle for you. As I was on the road to Gilead, I met a man who had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys and lived in 30 cities. Who was this man 
I met on the road to Gilead? The answer, of course, is Jair, as we see from verse 4. And it's not a riddle, is it? It indicates that Jair was fairly well-to-do. Now, in verse 6, we begin the sixth sin cycle in the book of Judges. It starts here in verse 6 of chapter 10 and carries right on through to verse 7 of chapter 12. Remember, a sin cycle in the time of the judges began when Israel would turn away from the Lord, as we see here in verse 6. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Then in step 2 of the cycle, the Lord would bring in a foreign power to oppress and discipline his people, as we see in verse 7. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. Step three of the cycle came when the people would repent and cry out to the Lord, as we see in verse 10. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. Step four of the cycle was when the Lord would raise up a judge to deliver his people, in this case, Jephthah. Look at verse 29 of chapter 11. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, in other words, to raise an army, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. The final stage, or step five of the cycle, was when the land was at rest under the judge and the people were once again following the Lord. This step would last until the death of the judge, as we see in chapter 12, verse 7. So there's uh, your sixth sin cycle in the book of Judges. Well, so much for our background. Let's move now to our doctrinal or teaching points for Judges chapter 10. Doctrinal point number one, there is a limit to God's patience. There is a limit to God's patience. Verses 11 through 14 once again. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? Also the Sidonians and Amalekites and Maonites oppressed you and you cried out to me and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. In other words, you've had it, Israel. I gave you many chances, but you haven't responded. You've turned away one too many times. Now go cry out to the foreign gods that you've chosen. There is a limit to my patience. The Bible teaches that there is a limit to God's patience. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, before the flood, we read that God said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. And then came the flood. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 20, we read that before the flood, quote, The patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. God waited patiently for 120 years while Noah preached. And then... The flood came suddenly. There is a limit to God's patience. In Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, the Lord Jesus lamented over Jerusalem. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And in 70 AD, the temple and the Jewish nation were destroyed. There is a limit to God's patience. Now let me ask you, are you trying the patience of God? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, it is only a matter of time before you will be cut off. Don't try the patience of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Come to Christ today. Don't put it off. There is a limit to God's patience. Doctrinal point number two. There is no limit to God's love. There is no limit to God's love. Verses 15 and 16. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Think of that. God's soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Oh, the mercy and love of God. Just as a loving parent is always ready to respond to the rebellious teenager who returns, no matter what that teenager has done, so God, our perfect Heavenly Father, has no limit to His love. There is a limit to God's patience. But if people today truly repent, no matter how terrible they've been, they will find that there is no limit to God's love. Let me ask you, do you think the worst dictator on earth could be saved? Yes. What about Saddam Hussein of Iraq? Could he be saved? Yes. What about Assad of Syria? Could he be saved? Yes. But they must repent and turn to the Lord. Notice in verses 15 and 16 what triggered God's mercy. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. The repentance of Israel triggered God's mercy. And notice it was real repentance, not just words or carrying a Bible. They put away their foreign gods. That's not just remorse. That's repentance. When people truly repent of their sin, they will find that there is no limit to God's love. Remember the story of the lost son, the prodigal son? In Luke chapter 15, the father was not only waiting for the son to return, but there was no limit to the father's love. The son was more than welcomed home. He was fully restored and reconciled. Remember, while there is a limit to God's patience, there is no limit to God's love. What about practical application from Judges chapter 10? Don't make God your last resort. Don't make God your last resort. Verse 6, once again, 
Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Do you get the picture here? Israel was trying every other god but the true God. Finally, they turned to the Lord as a last resort. But only after 18 years of heavy oppression. You know, there are a lot of people in that category today. They look to God as a last resort. They try every God under the sun for experience and satisfaction except the Lord. You know, there is a God out there for every taste and experience people want. And people are trying everything but the Lord. People will risk their lives for the ultimate experience in adventure or pleasure. Only when they get hurt or fail or burn out or lose their possessions or lose their job or lose their friends. Some of them finally turn to the Lord as a last resort. Well, better late than never. But if only they would realize it doesn't have to be that way. The Lord is ready and willing to bring satisfaction to anyone who turns to him. Now, not just as a last resort. In the words of Jeremiah chapter 2, Why turn to broken cisterns that can hold no water when the living fountain is readily available? Don't make God your last resort. 